Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. All right, can we start? Can we just complain? We just, <laughs> can this just be a venting session? This is the this is the have mercy of the first part. This is God have mercy. <laughs> so today, you know, Matt, I don't know about you. I I think I have like hashtag COVID fatigue. Yeah, I'm just every week we come in, and it's a whole new topic around COVID. I was looking in the last couple of days, like things we could be talking about, maybe to mix it up. And so I go to New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Christianity Today, every every <laughs> news outlet that there is, and the first twenty articles are yeah are this or the economic bailouts related yeah, to this yeah, yeah. or some partisan arguing related to this. I'm just. Worn slap out. You're, from, what'd you say? You're worn slap out. Worn you never heard that? Before? No, I've never heard. Is that a Georgia term? It's, it, I don't know. I thought I thought every everything was <laughs> everything we say in Georgia well, is what everybody says. It should be worn slap out. You don't you don't say worn slap out. I've never heard that term in my life. Where are you from originally? I'm a Texan. <laughs> what part of Texas? Like Dallas? Because <laughs> I know, I know. I'm a uh, big city. Yeah. I'm going to call you so, Big City. Big City. That's your new nickname. <laughs> Matt Russell. Big AKA City. AKA Big City. <laughs> yeah, Carrollton, Texas. Where is that? That's just right outside of Dallas. Of Dallas. <laughs> Big City. <laughs> that's like when you're from Atlanta and you go, oh, I'm from I'm from Decatur. Uh, that's uh, Atlanta. That's, that's Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Dallas. Big City. So, yeah. I don't know. How, how are you feeling about all that? I feel the same. I kind of have... I kind of have fatigue and and kind of this the stress of of just kids and economy and church and folks that are kind of melting down the middle of it. You know, it just it's all kind of a perfect storm that 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 uh, that doesn't. Yeah, it just it just is fatiguing. So I want to talk about the ways the church really needs to live in a countercultural way yes. from all the pressure that's coming to Come the on. reopening stuff. Yes. But before we do that, um, tell me the thing about milk coming to the food pantry. Oh yeah. It's like Borden is. Yeah. So Borden is, um, is going out of business and uh, they, they still have this like inventory and kind of a pipeline stuff that they're they're um, And so uh, Suzanne Harder got a, um, a call a couple weeks ago from the food bank saying, Hey, can y'all, can y'all, um, um, deal with some milk? <laughs> and so we were like, yeah. And we're serving 350 families a day. Yeah. So we milk can, is great. It's phenomenal. So yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's incredible. It's like a lot, right? A lot. I forget how many gallons she told me yesterday and it, I felt like she added a zero. It felt like it was something. It was much. like thousands or some. Yeah. some yeah, it was a crazy it's, number. Yeah, it's crazy. I was on a, a call last week after we met, and I shared some of the notes. It was really fascinating. Uh, you know, Dr. Mark Boom was with us on one of the episodes right. that we did uh, several weeks back and was really, really helpful. I think a lot of people found it uh, very helpful. But just one or two things that I thought were pretty interesting is when you 
are crisscrossing people in large venues, that's very different than going to a restaurant, 25% capacity. You know, we have a, well, you potentially have a lot of people that will be crisscrossing back and forth. So that's something you have to think about masking because when you can't maintain social distance, physical yeah. distance, you have to, you need to wear a mask. Now I know people have a lot of different opinions on that. We could talk about kind of where that comes from too, but I think for me, it's like I wear, I choose to wear a mask, not all the time when I go out, but when I go to the grocery store, I do. And the reason I do is because I'm thinking about all these people that are working in the grocery store. Yes. And even though I've been tested and I don't have COVID-19, um, if I, I feel like I want to set an example there to be considerate. In other yeah. places, I don't wear it, but that to me is like, that's, I want the grocery store to stay open and functioning. And if that helps. Do not get in front of me and my, you know, <laughs> my pasta or egos or whatever, right? Whatever <laughs> it might be. Uh, but we are talking about things like opening up, um, you know, shooting for a date now, uh, targeting June 1st for opening our daycare at Fairhaven mm -hmm. for the essential worker right. families that need to get back. So there's a lot of stuff that is moving and moving in the right direction. We're going to be talking with our staff about bringing them back next week to begin to train for having meetings and gathering together. And so I think that um, I was really encouraged by the call that we had with uh, with Mark Boom. I, yeah. it, it made me feel like, okay, things are moving in the right direction. This is still a real thing, um, but at least, at least we see some light coming. And he did say, he did say that he thinks uh, the summer could be a very light season for this yes. because the heat does knock these viruses out or down somewhat. Yes. And there's no hotter place for you to be. You're in a good place. Than Houston. So if the heat's going to knock it down, uh, this is going to be a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I was, uh, when you shared the notes from that call, I was, when I opened the document, I was thinking it was going to be really different. I think, I thought he was going to say, actually, we need to, you know, it's going to be, you know, June, July, August, September. We really need to be thinking about beyond that. And, and I, I was like, oh, the data is showing something really different. It's trending in the right direction. He was cautiously optimistic mm -hmm. about kind of the June one stuff and said, yeah, the next two weeks are really important because of, you know, um, to see how the numbers go. But it looks like we're heading in the right direction. We yeah, and to be clear, I mean, David Callender, who's the head of Memorial Hermann, uh, was also on an, another call last week. They still are recommending no venue gatherings as of right now. Yes. But uh, we're going to be on another call at the end of next week as we get to the end of May. And he said if the numbers look like they're looking now, if they still look good with the continued loosening of restrictions, then he would be okay with saying, hey, if you want to set up uh, physically distanced, situation in the sanctuary and you wanted to come together, but it's going to be important for people to realize that we will, we will move through that in phases or with benchmarks. And so day one is not going to be maybe what you expect. Yeah. It's not the light. Switches. It may be hyper vigilant. I mean, there's a picture, uh, that, uh, somebody sent me of a concert yeah. and this is a concert in Germany. It's a beautiful, uh, theater. But look at the socially distance or the physically distance audience. Look how many, a few people are there yeah. for this concert. And then do you have the picture from, you know, Second Baptist opened on Mother's Day, which is great. That was decision. Their sanctuary will seat 5,000 people. 
and you can see it's a very small crowd that was in that worship service on Mother's Day at Second Baptist. So, you know, I think even if you can open up, legally you can open up, not everybody is ready to go back yet. Yeah. Um, not everybody's ready. Well, I've seen a lot of surveys too. There've been a lot of, we haven't done a survey at Chapwood and we might do one just to say, Hey, here's what we're going to, um, here's how we're going to do it. And would you come for that? And some people are going to say, I'm not going to come if I have to wear a mask the whole time. That's fine. If, if they want to continue to watch online, but the first two weeks that we worship, we may say, we're going to ask you to wear a mask while you're here. And then in two weeks, if everything looks good and we've learned our protocol, then when you get to your pew, you can take your mask off on the way in and out. And you, you know, that's uh, one thing that the doctors talked about is there is the, oh, how did they phrase it? There's, um, the, there's a big difference between acceptable risk and producing risk. Is that the way it was referred to? Yeah, accepting the risk and producing the risk. And so what they mean by that is when you make a decision to go to the grocery store, or a restaurant, you are accepting the risk. It's worth the risk for you to get whatever it is that you're going to get. I need yeah. to get groceries. I'm willing to accept the risk of being infected, whatever I need to do. Right. But the difference with that is, yes, people who come to church would be accepting the risk, but we as the church are now producing the risk. We are going to put on an event on a large venue scale that could potentially produce risk. And so we have to just make sure we phase into that very carefully. Mm -hmm. And there's some churches that, there was a church in California, they say they're not gonna meet until January. And I know some churches here locally that are, are looking at least through maybe the end of the summer. Yeah, California is an interesting deal, right? The, the UC system decided to um, hold all of their, um, their classes online. Yeah, the, the Cal fall. State University yeah. system, one of the largest in the country. Yeah. And so like writ large across the whole state, they're just, they're shutting it all down and putting it all online. So, well, and OU, Oklahoma, uh, University of Oklahoma, my daughter goes there and got an email that if you are in a class of 40 or less, they will move them to a larger space venue and they'll distance them out. But if you are in a class that's over 40, that class will be virtually done online. Wow even though they'll still be living on campus. So every freshman class is going to be online. <laughs> right? At a church like Oklahoma, <laughs> yes, because it'll be intro to psychology with 350 right. 300 people. Yeah, your in closest friends. <laughs> yeah, and so you have to do it on Zoom. And it's it's fascinating, though, uh, the technology. Maddie just had to, I didn't even know she had it. She had this, so it looked like a remote control. Uh -huh. And it was a digital Bluetooth thing that connects to her computer when she's online virtually and has questions and answers and she logs that she's in and she has like ABCD. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a 21st century Scantron. Scantron. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, what they're doing digitally with online classes is kind of bananas. I, I, I really feel, I know you're always going to have like, if we came back and said, all right, we're going to totally reschedule what times our worship services are on Sunday mornings. You'd have people that would go, yeah, I don't like that, but they would completely understand. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you could, you you could take all of the untouchable, what do you call them? The, the, the third rail issues and just put them in the pot and shake them up and say, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. This, which is really going to be interesting for the church because I think is like 
we started talking about kind of pre-COVID was like ways that the church adjusts or needs to adjust or can adjust in terms of both its impact and its innovation. Mm. And this is giving us a chance to say, like you've said before, what are the things that are really core to who we are? And what's the other stuff that we can actually shift? And maybe there's horizons that open up for us in terms of what it means to be the church of Jesus in this culture in different ways, you know? So what have you been taking for granted lately? Yeah, I'm, I'm asking you. I just pulled it right out. You did. And threw it and lobbed it in the middle. Just, just a little hand weird. grenade. At Here's, least I have a heads up now. Go. I know something you didn't know, which is good. This. I'll tell you mine while you're thinking about it. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I, I say taking for granted lately. I really, I think I took it for granted before. Mm. But I'm I'm processing now. I mean, little things like, you know, someone in the church is there. They go away for the summer, and they sent me a text and said, "Hey, we're leaving this week. Do you have time to get together for lunch before we go?" And I'm going, "Well, I can't. We can't really get together for lunch. Right. Um, I have three Zoom calls at noon, but <laughs> it's like I never crossed my mind that we could even. Can we do yeah. that? <laughs> and then she's like, "Well, could we? You know?" And I'm starting to think okay, I take for granted these, yeah. hey, let's just get together for lunch. Hey, let's get together for drinks. Hey, let's meet up at three, you know, like with our worship community pastors. We used to just meet every month at three o'clock on the first Thursday for a few hours and gather together and catch up. And it's like, those are the things that I think I took for granted. I, I just, they became routine. They became ordinary. Sometimes I would dread them. <laughs> You know, I mean, I enjoyed them, but you know, it's just like yeah. another thing on your schedule. And now I just long for yeah. the dread. that kind of community <laughs> yeah. to just hook up with people and just chew the fat. And Yeah. There's that whole layer of like, there's like intimate relationships that I have, like COVID hasn't done much to affect, you know, I mean. Um, like the guys you were on the, we were on the call with last week, you know, those are, those are, you could tell there's an intimacy there with, with you three. That's like, like, you know, that you've relied on phone calls and those kinds of things for, for years to kind of stay connected. But there's that whole level of just like that second tier where, where just that interaction with folks and, and I've, I've taken for granted not being able to hug folks, you know, um, just, I think just being able to, to, I don't know if I, if I told you this, but last week we had a friend come over. Did I, did I say this last week? Yeah. On the podcast that, and she hadn't been touched in six weeks, hugged yeah. Michelle and just broke down. I was like, Oh, so I'm, I've taken for granted that. Um, you know, another part of that I think is I, I would call them maybe not serendipitous, but just walking down the hallway, just yeah. going to the grocery store, going out to a restaurant at night and you run into people that you know, that you haven't, it's just like, it's this, yeah. it's this blessed it meeting. Is. It's like, Hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. Yeah. And you hug yeah. and you shake hands and you catch up, even if it's for like two or three minutes. It's like that, that's, that's missing in our yeah. whole life right yeah. now. Yeah. I was at HEB a couple of days ago, masked up with everybody else. And I, I saw two or three people that I, I thought I knew, but I couldn't tell behind the mask. So I didn't want to say, hey, excuse me, are you, you know? <laughs> so there's a, yeah. There was an article this week uh, on a 
blog site or a website called the Gospel Coalition. And as we think about mm-hmm. me communicating to the church and our church leadership, why it is that we're not opening as soon as we are legally able to open. He, uh, this guy named Brett McCracken wrote this really, I think, uh, powerful blog post about the difference between the church and other places. Right. So, you know, you've got all these logistical, yeah, he said, church, don't let coronavirus divide you by Brett McCracken. And he talks uh, about all, he said, if, if the logistical details were not enough, I mean, think about this. <laughs> How do we maintain physical distance? How do we limit the crowd size? Whether or not do we require a mask? Do we sing? Do we not sing? What do we do with the children? Do we have nursery? You know, you've got all this that now is potentially fraught with division because the congregation is a microcosm of the larger society and you've got all these strongly held convictions that are at work here. You've got some people that are ready. They want to know why, why aren't we meeting two weeks ago? They don't know what that looks like because some of those folks are the folks that refuse to wear masks when they go in public. Right. So, and other people are like, I'm not coming back to church until there's a vaccine. So did I already mention the percentage today? Did I mention no. that? I don't know what I mean. I'm living Groundhog Day. Yeah. But like, you know, <laughs> this Saturday, local churches. <laughs> so Houston, uh, there's a group here <clears throat> that we're on calls with. Of the churches that so far have gone back in May to meet, do you know what the average percentage of their, you know, so let's basically say whatever they average on a Sunday, their worship attendance. Do you know what percentage has shown up at church to date on average? You want to guess? Um, 40%. 25%. Wow. The highest church had 40%. And as I showed you the picture, like Second Baptist, which is an amazing church, you could see the only the bottom section, and it was very, very, very sparse. I mean, yeah. I had maybe three, 400 people maybe. In, in there. And so that doesn't, that's not anything bad or good. It just shows you that yeah. in all the surveys that I've been looking that other churches <laughs> have done, you're talking about 20 to 30, 40%. Some churches get to the 50% that say they're ready to come they back. They say they want to, but when they open, you got 25% that are actually showing up. Yes. Interesting. And it depends also, some people want to make sure you have very stringent protocols and other people, you know, you, they, they, don't, they don't want, I don't want to wear a mask to come to church. Okay. So you've got the same divide that we have in our culture that you're going to have in your church pews. And so we're going to fall somewhere in all of this polarizing environment. And I love how he says, you know, Psalm 133 is how do we move forward in the midst of this as a church in unity rather than in ugly division. And Psalm 133 said, how very good and pleasant it is when the kindred live together in unity. Mm. And he talks about really four things that are countercultural. And I don't know if you had any thoughts on this. One is countercultural sacrifice that basically, look, you may be right. This thing may be overblown. But can you not say, for example, for the first two weeks we're back, would you not be willing to wear a mask out of love for those uh, that are not sure yet. That's a countercultural movement. The culture says, damn it, if I don't want to wear a mask. It's my right. It's my right, I don't have to wear a mask. Don't make me, don't tell me what I have to do. Whereas Christianity says, we defer out of love for the other. First Corinthians eight, be careful however, that your freedom does not become a stumbling stumbling block to those who are weak. 
Because when love gets down in your bones, right? When when you when you get loved so much and you fall in love with other people, the things that they are concerned about or the the way that they carry their own um, sense of frailty becomes really important, right? It really becomes important to us. And so that if if one of my sons is struggling with something, which they all do, um, um, there's a part of me as a dad that's attempting to understand what's behind that and to get become sensitive about what that is, what's driving that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think of the church when <laughs> folks show up, at we whether they're you know whatever spectrum they're on, that we we can we can soften towards that, and we can we can say, hey, let's love each other and figure this stuff out. And like he said in the article, to defer to the folks that maybe are carrying this in a fearful way, in a way that says we need to keep our faces covered for a little while. And I love, if you're a Christian and and you're the kind of person who says, yeah. all those people are just sheep. They're just weak-minded. You know, they're, oh, they're yeah. following the fear or the fear monk. Yeah. Okay, what Paul says mm. is that you should defer to them. Yeah, yeah. That's what he says. That's what yeah. Paul says. The weaker so if you're a Christian, sister. even if you have that mentality, you should be willing to defer out of benefit for those that you feel are weaker than you. Yeah. Because you love them. <laughs> well, not, hopefully you not, do. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing about Paul, right? Is that the, the heart of that is like, if you love, if, it, if the heart of everything we do is love, then we'll act out of that, you know, in, in ways that make us more human. Yeah, and I think the, 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 the forbearing and the loving works both ways. Yes. There, I have yes. a lot of compassion and... Um, and understanding for people who are ready to get the economy open. Yeah. And you've been on the front Absolutely. line. People have got to get back to work. Oh. Because the eviction moratorium just was lifted by the Supreme Court of Texas. Today. You could potentially God. have tens of thousands of people that are evicted in Houston. Yes. So people need to work. People need to be back at their jobs. Yes. I think we all agree with that. We yes. can see the argument for that. Yes. But can we not believe in... Uh, that you can do it in a safe way. I yeah. think that's yeah. the thing yeah. that's important for us. And so he he goes on, so uh, it talks about, the there's also the countercultural humility. Okay, this is where we have to <laughs> test ourselves also. We might be really confident in our view right now, but could we be willing uh, to say, there may be some truth in what you believe, and I may be wrong in some things that I believe. I don't know that our culture allows for that anymore. Oh, <laughs> you don't think so? No. <laughs> Social media is evidence of the lack of the counterculture of humility. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because we live in a culture where, um, um, because everything, there's a line in the sand with everything to, um, um, it's not okay not to have an opinion. You know, it's not okay to say, I, I don't know, I'll defer, right? Everything has to be turned into, and then once it's turned into up, down, right, left, you know, black, whatever the colors and sides, you know, then we can pigeonhole folks. And I think that's a way, there's a, um, there's almost a demonic sense in which that division is not about God. It, it, and, and so when the church says we're not going to trade in those kinds of divisions anymore, we're going to love each other and we're going to figure this out as family. It becomes deeply countercultural just to like hold open space for each other. Mm. Right. 
Oh, and that, yeah. that becomes a resistance towards the kind of the demonic that says everything has to be winners or losers. I'm right, you're wrong. So No, I, I like what he says, modeling. You know, not everything is not obvious. I mean, we are, in, we are building the plane in midair. Yes. And I just love this, uh, uh, this uh, culture of certainty yeah. is so misguided. And yeah. I, I did something uh, a day or two ago. First time I've done this in a long time. I unfriended someone from Facebook. It, not because they said anything to me. Uh, it was just, I have gotten to the point where I will, you know how you can uh, hide things, but still follow people, but yeah. you don't see their posts anymore. Man, I've done that to a lot of people, which is, you may be answering the questions of some folks of why I haven't responded to their posts. But, but this is, you know, when, when someone says, I'm sick and tired of this, you know, what's a church that's open and letting people, and there's people intersecting, and then they start going down the tangent of, I follow the Bible and I don't even think right. women should be preachers. And then they start going on. I'm like, you know what? I don't have to do this anymore. Bye-bye. I'm done. Coronavirus has given Bye-bye. me the freedom to say, I'm not, look, I love you in Christ Jesus. We don't see the same way. Yeah. And I don't need to see that. And I don't, and I don't just want to hide it and know it's back in the background. I'm like, if that's what you're going to be posting, I don't need to be a part of that. There's a place and a space for you. I love you in Christ. And you can have those views and there are people yeah. that have those. I shared some crazy stuff with you from independent <laughs> fundamentalist yes. Baptist churches and some of the stuff they believe is anathema to yes. me. Yes. But, you know, I let them do what they do. You go do what you do, but I don't have to do it. No. And I don't have to be tied yeah. to it. And I don't have to, um, you know, I don't have to get in your way, but I don't have to be a part of it. You know what I love about this is that like, this is going to end sometime, Right. Mm-hmm. This is a season. And the question is, who will we be when this is over? And if we're constantly, like this article is saying, if we're making room for love, if we're deferring, if we're opening up spaces between each other, that's going to be deeply healing. And that's a space that people are going to want to enter back into. If it's, if it is this kind of hard energy of, you know, all these kind of, kind of craziness that's happening right now, like that's not a space that, that, um, that anything can grow in. It's not a garden that is going to produce a kind of fruit that people are hungry for, right? And so as we continue to kind of nurture, you know, um, the, the spaces between us and saying, hey, how do we love each other? How do we, we all have different opinions. That's good. That's okay. But I'm not willing to die for an opinion. I'm real, you know, I'm not yeah, willing his, to crucify you for an opinion. Yeah. His third point is about countercultural patience, which I would, only thing I will say on that is, there's another thing in systems theory where they, they refer to something as urgent patience. Uh, John Cotter talks about maintaining a sense of urgency. Mm. Don't ever lose the sense of urgency. But sometimes in systems, you have to allow the delays to work. And what I see in our culture is if, if anybody who's studied, studied systems theory, especially organizational systems, is that uh, people right now are, are plowing through the delays. So you're making decisions and you're enacting things. We don't know what the effects of those things are going to be. Now, I don't think you have to wait all the way to the end until, and that's navel gazing, I call it. That's, that's never acting. That's ultimate patience. So you have to have a sense of urgency that is keeping you on your toes, actively, mm. proactively working. But you have to be confident that 
at least the delays have started manifesting themselves. It's like um, the best analogy that I think Edgar Schein uses in organizational culture and leadership is a faucet, like the hot water faucet. If you don't have a recirculator in your shower and you turn on the shower and it takes a few minutes for, like at my house, it takes a few minutes for the hot water to come on. And so, but once the hot water comes on, you know, I've turned it way up, right? Well, then I get in, it's like, oh my God, it's too hot. (laughs) So then I turn it down and it takes a few minutes before, between the time of me turning the knob down to the right temperature, it takes a while for yeah. that adjustment to come. Right. Well, if I'm always turning it before I allow the water uh, to flow through, I'm constantly, you're constantly, just freaking constantly, your body out. Our bodies, <laughs> our bodies instinctively know how to do this when yeah. we turn the faucet to fill up a cup of water. Yes. So we learn how long it takes for that faucet. Our houses are all different. Yeah. Some are just immediate. Sometimes you turn it and it goes, yeah. drips a little more, yeah. especially like in your, refrig- your refrigerator uh, the water door. dispenser. So you learn and you just innately, uh, subconsciously react uh, to where you don't even think about those delays, right. but there is a delay. Yeah. And I, I just think that uh, people who are plowing through this, there are consequences that will come that we don't even see, we don't know. Yeah. And I'm ready to move before I have all the data but I need enough data and I need enough delay of the system to show, like Mark Boom says, I need 10 days after phase one is closed. Yes. I don't need 14 days within phase one, he said, because there's another 10 days where I need data to see if the loosening of the first 14, that's a delay in the system. That's so good. Yeah. Now, that I think is, is necessary when we think about patience and, and urging people to be patient. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the last thing that you and I, are speaking to here, to me, the biggest thing is this nuance. This is countercultural. And the simplest way is no one, no one, we live in a, in a, a society, it's unnuanced. It's always either or, never both end. That's right. And I think when you live that way, um, you know, as, as uh, McCracken says, it's a hyper-partisan media catechized world, catechized world, um, and all caps hysteria of every extreme sort, you know, truth is rarely as simple, as shrill as Twitter would have us think. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a loss of nuance in society because we don't have humility and we don't have patience. And I, I will say that I, I have struggled over the past, uh, six years since I've been here, especially as the human sexuality debate has risen up. Mm. which, you know, there's one good thing about coronavirus is nobody's arguing about who's getting married, at least not for right now. Um, I, there have been many times where I thought, you just got to pick one side or the other. Yeah. You got to go one way or the other. You got to yeah. be a church that goes this way or that way. You got to be all in this way or all in that way. And there's a part of me that like wants to relieve that. And then I come back to the scriptures. Yeah. And I think to myself, that is not, what we are called to be as the church. It is more countercultural and more Christ-like yes. to live in that middle and to embrace the both and the end. Yes. This is, that's where I keep coming back. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if that's like, like he says, um, I think at the end that nuance is often when you have kind of patience um, and humility mm. that that sit together, and and I also think I would add, and and maybe maybe that's a part of that, <clears throat> which is also curiosity. 
like to get curious about what's happening or why a person holds a certain belief, not as a way of defending, but as, as I hold kind of patience and humility and curiosity together and they dance together inside of me, then I can begin to be much more open to folks that think differently, you know? Um, and I think this is the question for me is, can the church, um, create a place for actual human beings to exist? Can, can we hold space open for humans, right? Because we're all messed up. We all have a confluence of these tensions that live in us. And my inability to put up with another person's tension is just like you were talking about, there's a mirror to myself as well, right? And can we treat each other with love, patience, humility, nuanced as a way of holding open space to say we're human. We're going to work this out mm-hmm. and we're going to be a place at Chapwood that continues um, to work out our, humili- our, our humanity together uh, in the gospel. Um, I dream of a church where, <clears throat> you know, there can be a diversity of thought. There can be... Yes conservatives and people who are more liberal. There can be Republicans and Democrats. You know, those those terms, as we've discussed, are not terms that are ever mentioned in the Bible. Those are not definitions that the Bible is aware of. They're not categories that... No, they're not. And, you know, when people want to start getting even into biblical interpretation, it says, well, the Bible's really clear on this issue of homosexuality. Well, it's also clear on divorce and remarriage. but, But we accommodated for that and when I say accommodated, I don't mean that in a bad way. No. We did it for the purpose of grace and love. Yeah. Uh, and, and I always tell people, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things that, uh, that are a part of the world right now that I don't know that that's really the way God drew it up on the whiteboard at the beginning. Yeah. But that's kind of like everything. <laughs> and I love, I love that as an organization person that God has a whiteboard. He's working on, I, love, I, love, I love that. <laughs> but you know, God's classy. God's probably got like a glass board. Yeah, glass like board, big, that's right. Like a, at the Google <laughs> campus, you know, a big glass board. I mean. But, uh, <laughs> put a bow so, on, Matt. Yes, John. Today was potpourri day. It, it, um, I don't know if it smelled that good, though. <laughs> You're being really That's kind. actually really nice. I like that. Now, next week, do we have uh, Dr. Cleve Tinsley? Dr. Cleve Tinsley will be He's going to be with us here. He will be with us. And we're going to talk about uh, racial reconciliation. We're going to talk about COVID. We're going to talk about all sorts of things. Yeah. He's a, an amazing guy. Yeah. He's a, I, I, he's, a, he's a public intellectual and with a pastor's heart. So he kind of moves in those kind of crazy streams that we like, you know, that he'll push us, I think, beyond where I'm comfortable often. That's what his friendship does to me. But then he also um, um, brings it back to the heart of the gospel where I think, okay, okay. So it's, yeah, I think. Well, we'll that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Well, it's good being with you. You too. I'm John Stevens. I'm Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. Pod Have Mercy.